Hey guys, welcome to uh, another episode of Biomast, episode 97, I believe. Uh, we got the whole gang here again, so it's probably going to be a very good episode. We got Jay in, he managed to make it back home, so he's going to be joining us for uh, another good one. So uh, we got a couple things lined up, some news in the uh, VR industry, particularly for the PlayStation 4 users. Uh, some news for another version of the PS4. I know Jay tried out The Division uh, earlier today, so we'll get his thoughts on that since I've been mostly monologuing about it this whole time. And, of course, uh, we'll touch on the new Batman vs. Superman movie coming out and maybe some uh, more superhero uh, TV shows that have been running. So, without further ado, let's go into some shout-outs with Top of the List with Sir Izel. I'm Sir Izel. Um I'm a co-host here, and uh, I write some stuff on the blog. Fantastic. Iowa Bait. Hey everybody, what's up? I'm Bait. Um, I'm just a just a writer for the blog and uh Eve Online player. Fantastic. Jason? Okay, obviously I'm gonna have to like pick up the energy level, otherwise that uh you know we, we might all be accused of being low energy at any moment by Donald Trump springing through the podcast world and uh you know slamming into the socialist that Pokey is. So <laughs> at some point at like we, we go through this in, in periods of times, you know, these like sort of doldrums, but uh, I am actually pretty glad to be back in uh, my home time zone, uh, or at least my home for the moment time zone. So it works out pretty good. Uh, and I do appreciate uh, the guys, uh, you know, put some slam up shows out while I was gone. So, you know, should be a fun, fun chat tonight. And again, it's all about energy. We're here to bring energy. It'll be good. We're, we're here to make the podcast great again because we don't want any more podcasts built in China. God damn, man. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, I'm uh, Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations. I co host here on the show and I write for the blog. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, I know that we've talked about the division a couple times, but it's been mostly me monologuing and giving my thoughts on it, which is, you know, not a good representation of how the game actually is because I can be a fanboy. So, I know that Jason uh, is back in town and had the opportunity to pick the game up, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it, man. You know, how, how do you feel about the game? Uh, is it living up to your expectations? Uh, what do you think? Um, it, okay, so <clears throat> kind of the bumper sticker up front is that I think the game has uh, is hitting all the notes for me personally in, in the, the type of games that I like to, pl to play. It's a good mix of tactics, good mix of... Um, you know, a little bit of first-person shooter. You got to have some skill to play the game, but it's really a game of really, really rapid tactical choices. Uh, so it, it is, in my mind, I would say somewhere in between. Um, the gameplay style to me feels somewhere in between XCOM and, you know, like a, a classic, you know, Call of Duty or Destiny PvP arena shooter. Uh, and and by the way, I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. Uh, so generally, I would rate it pretty high. It's got a it's got a lot of polish. There's a lot of good things going on in the game. It's got a really fascinating storyline, which these type of games normally don't. Uh, but it's a pretty deep storyline in terms of all the things that they put inside the game and a lot of the nuances that they have. Um, there are some sticky points to it in terms of either mechanics or just sort of. Uh, Kind of, I'm trying to understand what sort of the next steps in the game are, uh, and it is relatively short. Now, I have not played anywhere near the full, you know, like the full game. Uh, you know, I've got probably about 11 hours of gameplay into it, but um, I would say broadly, looks good, sounds good, feels 
pretty good, uh, could, but there's some things I'll, I'll address in a little bit about that it needs to get worked on. Um, I think it has all of the potential to be a really good game for three, four, or five years. Uh, if they if they actually iterate on it well, like basically take a hint from from Destiny's you know sort of pseudo reboot they did, but not do that, like actually continue to build on what's working in the game and buff out kind of the sticky points uh, relatively quickly and add some more content on a regular basis. I think Division be be pretty good. Generally, I would give it somewhere around a like a eight to an eight eight and a quarter out of ten right now. Just that's my bottom line up front. Um, a couple things I noticed just from mechanically, if it moves really well, it flows well, and you know, Pokey, you explained to me sort of the uh, the move with the move to cover options that you have and sort of the different movement options generally, uh, they all play really well tactically. I think they, they fit the environments really well. They fit the style of the game really well. Um, it, you can get stuck on cover occasionally, or it puts you kind of in an odd position. It's like one out of like maybe one and a half times out of 10, you'll, you'll land in a bad spot, but that's usually when you didn't pick a good spot to go to, or you were kind of, moving on the fly real fast and you and you kind of get stuck on cover uh but if you're if you're kind of taking your time and moving fairly well it, it's not bad uh that's sticky point number one needs to work a little bit on some of the cover mechanics but generally they're okay um part two i like i i didn't find out till about five hours in the game that there's a melee button and boy that would have helped me a lot earlier uh, so a little bit of a little bit more understanding about the controls, but that's really a really minor minor thing that you can cover and uh, you know like expand the options menu so you can see all the uh, all the different controls. The the only thing outside of the some of the movement mechanics, specifically some of the cover sticky stickies that you get uh, that I I kind of don't like as much uh, is kind of the feel in combat where you have to like pump a lot of rounds into a bad guy to make him drop because like in a game like um like destiny or dust even you know where you've got it's a little bit more fantastical a little bit more science fictiony where you're where you have like actual shields and all this other kind of jazz and and you're using you know like death rays and you know that kind of business um it feels from a, a shooter aspect, a little bit more like that. Most Ubisoft games, most Rainbow Six games, it, it is a very um, pretty brutal in terms of if you've got the drop on somebody with the appropriate weapon, they're going to go down in short order uh, because they they mimic more more of the characteristics of real weapons, whereas this one does not. So. It, like this, it's very different from all the other kind of Rainbow Six or Tom Clancy-ish games that I've played, where you know a guy basically is wearing a sweatshirt and a pair of jeans, and you have to dump like half a magazine of a of a submachine gun into him before he falls down. That was uh, no, it's that doesn't mean it's bad, but it definitely kind of sort of breaks your immersion a little bit, you know, in a game that is like hyper realistic, like. Uh, like the division is kind of supposed to be. Uh, so broadly, those are those are really the two big sticky points that I have is sort of the um, the, the time to kill, like particularly for PVE type stuff. The time to kill is kind of a little bit outlandish, and the um, and a little bit of the cover mechanics. But broadly, I like the game a lot. I, I am very impressed with the game, the story of the game. Now, I, now 
caveat here. I've played only the PVE aspects. I've not gotten to the dark zone because I, I wasn't able to really don't want to go into the dark zone by myself and, until I have somebody that can kind of, you know, help, help me interpret what I'm seeing in front of me uh, a little bit better. Maybe walk give me a quick tour of the dark zone. But but generally, I, I like it. I like it a lot. It, it has a lot of the a lot of the mechanics that I, I think will be a. Uh, will be a winner for me, like in terms of how I like to play. By the way, the, the social mechanics, the, the what little I did play around with them, they're absolutely phenomenal. The way they've baked in the PSN social mechanics into the game, a- absolutely spot on. Uh, really, really nice, really nicely done. Uh, I, so, I mean, that's I, I think that's my my general thoughts on it. But I'm I'm, I'm learning a lot about it. But I'm free to kind of go with, go with it any way you you want. If you have any uh, questions or things like that. Yeah, I guess, I mean, overall, would you say that it met your expectations, what you were expecting out of the game from what you had seen, you know, in, in previews and in betas and, and whatnot? Uh, did the final product kind of resemble what you were expecting throughout the, the development process as they were showing us, you know, videos and gameplay and whatnot? Yeah, it did. I th- I th- it was a very, um, I don't want to overuse the term transparent, but it was a, it was a pretty clean understanding of what I thought the product was going to be. And then when I actually played the game, you know, I, I had like, I was making some notes to myself on my iPad a couple of times when I was playing it, just you're keeping my thoughts of it. But you like I said, it looked, it looked like I thought it would uh, in that the visual images were good, but you know, even the, like the small nuances of the environment, really, really good. You know, the characters are really good. Uh, like the mechanic, the, uh, the animations were excellent. You know, it, it, it is a very polished game visually is what I would say. Uh, the gameplay felt, I, I wasn't sure what to feel, what I thought the gameplay was going to be. Cause I was trying to, cause it was kind of going off how you had described it to me. Uh, but, but you, you laid it out really well. It's a very tactical game. And, and I would offer that it, the more patient I was in the game, like the more I played it slightly more XCOM-y versus Call of Duty, duty I guess. Um, I actually did better in the game. So when you slow down and you control the environment more and you pick your pick your your location you want to fight from a little bit better, the game's a lot better. Or at least I play the game a lot better that way. Uh, if I'm trying to like run gun, leap over stuff and double tap guys on the fly, that, that doesn't work very well, at least for me in, in this style of game. But I like it. Uh, so generally, I think it, I think it worked pretty well. I'm interested to see how they they continue to flesh out the social aspects, though, because there were some things in there that I wasn't tracking. Like I didn't realize that you could do some level of crafting, which I, I kind of like. You know, that's that's sort of good. Um, understanding kind of how the map works is, is pretty cool. They did a really good job of actually, you know, effectively digitizing large chunks of Manhattan. Uh, so I thought that was actually pretty solid. Um, so generally, yeah, I would say I got pretty much what I was looking for. And, and I and it's about as deep as I thought it was going to be, too, which is to say shorter than people were liking. Were, well, shorter than probably most people would want, but clearly leads itself to, you know, the DLC system over the next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, for anyone who's actually seen the map of the playable area, the it's only a very small chunk of Manhattan, and that's just Manhattan. I mean, they could definitely expand, you know, the the available map size with missions to match, you know, further. I mean, you can already see kind of on the edge, like, uh, 
uh, like the Central Garden, you know, in Manhattan. You can see it off of the playable area, but it's there. So, you know, it's understandable that they'll obviously expand and they have a lot of room to expand um, the, the gameplay this, you know, moving forward, especially with the story. Uh, how did you feel about the, the storytelling mechanics with the, the cell phone recordings and the, the little bits laying around? I, I personally thought that was just a fantastic way to, to get the dialogue in a way that wasn't crammed down your throat, but you could still seek it out if you wanted to. How did you feel about that? Um, I, I, well, some you know other games use it, but they're not exactly central to telling the story. The, a, large, a large part of... Um, like They break them up into kind of different categories. There's a lot of different styles of intelligence or sort of artifacts that you can discover that kind of tell the story of what happened in the city. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed is that because it is, it is a free-roaming game, you don't uh, like I, I didn't I didn't quite understand that I didn't actually trigger to the fact that like there's levels in different boroughs or areas around Manhattan right so I was actually messing around in, in probably the wrong area for a while for a couple hours and really struggling <clears throat> and and I would occasionally pick up a couple of these things and then once I once I realized as I went back to some of the initial areas like the ones right around Camp Hudson and stuff like that that um, the intel bits, the story bits that it drops are are much more broad macro and they're contextual. So in a weird way, I think I, I think a it's a really good technique for this kind of story. Uh, B the basically the um, what you call it the um, the tutorial does a really good job of telling of setting up the story. And all of the rest of it is some flavor. And there's some really cool side stories. There is actually some storyline that 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 evolves over this thing is what I'm starting to notice. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of keen to see how it, how it shakes out, but I like the technique. I think it's good. Um, I, I did notice kind of smartly so that uh, some of the more macro stuff is in the easier sections. And then it gets, as you get deeper into the higher, higher level areas, you get, you know, kind of more complex bits of Intel or the little echoes, which I think is a really neat way of uh, telling stories. Uh, I think I think that mechanic works really well. I will say this though, I, I I would like them to drop more, maybe seed more of them in some of the initial areas and make it very obvious to find. Like I didn't understand how many of those things were really out there until like you know probably eight hours into the game, and then I was like, man, there's there's a lot of these things in there. You know, they're really all over the place. So it starts making you wonder like how many of these things did you miss? You know that kind of stuff. Uh, so that that was. You know, I liked it. Uh, maybe slightly help out from a new player experience, like where it's a, it's more obvious that these things are out there a little bit earlier in the game. But generally, I think it's pretty good, and the story itself is actually quite good. Um, if you watch the probably twenty five minute live action uh, division prequels that are that are out on YouTube, by the way, they're very very well done. I mean, extremely well done. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the stunt actors in that thing were some of the people that mo-capped the, uh, you know, uh, the animations in the movie. Uh, but it, it, that tells a if you take that, it really does lend itself to this kind of neat near post-apocalyptic movie-like universe that you could see. Uh, it's pretty good. It, the storyline and the context is good. 
Yeah, that's pretty fair. And, and I think you're right that they don't really um, lay out that mechanic very clearly initially. The nice part is is that um, as you work your way kind of through the character progression tree, eventually you unlock a perk where once you clear um, all of the, the side missions within a burrow, it just lights up the map and shows you where all of that intel is. So you can just actively go seek it out and, and you'll clear a burrow and go, holy crap, it's like 60 pieces of intel I can go get. <laughs> but again, that's not very uh, you know obvious until it happens. So I think you're spot on with that. They probably could a better job at laying that out initially because it is quite good and I like that you can make the story as deep as you want to because you can follow kind of the side missions which are more story related um, and then as you pick up the little bits of intel you kind of get to see similar events from multiple perspectives and and the more you collect the more you can kind of get an idea of what's going on from a very personal standpoint rather than like a typical narrative where they just hand it to you it's more on a, a character level which is pretty cool um, you know one thing I, I did um we were kind of bantering about it in Skype earlier, but one thing they do really good in the division in terms of a, a mechanic in the game is they actually have done a, probably the best job I've seen at various disrupting and disorientation mechanics. Um, they can give you different advantages. So, you know, at a very simplistic level, a fragmentation grenade, you know, does exactly, you know, it, it blows up, creates creates a lot of damage. An incendiary grenade does kind of the classic damage over time thing. Those are kind of two knowns. But what they've introduced is several other types of grenades, kind of the, your classic flashbang, a, a shock grenade, a tear gas grenade. You know, all, all of these are an EMP grenade, like several different kinds. And all the, and the effects on you or the effects on the bad guys are actually pretty unique, you know, in terms of how they you know, how they mess with your, your, uh, your visuals, you know, your movement capability. It actually, it's done really well. I've seen it done poorly in a lot of games, but you know, in terms of your ability to disrupt another player or the bad guys or them, you, it's really good. The suppression mechanic that you noted to me in Skype is pretty cool. Uh, I didn't really, I, I didn't understand that you could do that until I actually, you know, started you know, did it to a couple of bad guys, uh, and then you start seeing the effect, and then you understand when you get suppressed how it it actually affects your ability to to fire back and move. It's it it's pretty good. Yeah, it definitely lends itself to a lot of different combinations of the meta game and, and how you can you know make choices throughout the battle to uh, you know invoke a certain reaction. Like for example, what I was doing, I mentioned this in Skype that you know, I'd use an LMG um, and suppress the enemy, which basically forces them to stay behind cover. And normally when you throw a grenade, they will jump out of the blast radius, but if they're suppressed, they are stuck to that cover, basically, and they can't move out of it. So they'll get hit by the grenade, and they'll kind of stand up and stagger around as they're bleeding all over the place, and that gives you an opportunity to, to finish them off or have your um, allies move up because they're suppressed and can't fire back. And I think that it, it definitely lends itself to some really interesting PvE mechanics, and uh, you know, it really helps diversify, even within the skills and the classes within you know, your squad. It's also useful to kind of diversify what kind of weapons you're using because you may have the one guy who hangs back with the lmg and just you know lays down a lot of fire just to keep the enemies in place and lets the people with shorter range weapons kind of move up and and do their thing so i think in that regard the gameplay is very dynamic which is particularly good for dark zone gameplay because kind of like the things you were talking about with the tacticalness and how you have to move around it's a lot about making tactical choices on the fly all of that is amplified to the power of 10 when you're in the dark zone because the enemies are very aggressive they're very strong and you have to be very careful because they will drop you incredibly fast and i was in there by myself um earlier today just trying some stuff out and i was commenting on how 
difficult it was. I basically had to, to move around the battlefield back and forth to get different angles on these guys because I was so heavily outnumbered that, you know, it really helps to have a group that can work in a cohesive manner and has a plan set out ahead of time on what kind of roles they're going to perform so they can, you know, suppress the enemy and, and, and get, you know, get the job done because it can be very difficult you, you can't just sit in a line and just blow them away because they'll just they'll, they'll nuke you. The, the PvE enemies are, are very lethal if you're not careful, particularly the the yellow named ones. I mean, they're like you said, it, it kind of breaks that that realism that you often see in Tom Clancy games because they're basically juggernauts. They just nothing stops them until they finally just keel over dead. So you have to really approach them carefully and understand exactly your environment and how you're going to handle it because if you just run in there, you're going to get killed, you know, immediately. And I think that in the dark zone, particularly that that kind of gameplay is amplified very much so so you have to kind of you know train yourself and your group and how you're going to specialize um in the easier areas before you move into there and start taking on the, the more complicated stuff so in that regard i think the gameplay is incredibly deep and uh a lot more interesting than other titles we've seen like destiny where you're you're kind of locked into a particular play style depending on your class and that's the end of it you don't see a lot of cool interplay like that and that's what i've been really enjoying about the division is that the group play and kind of how you can interact and, and work with your friends and your comrades is, is really cool and, 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 for the most part, unique in how they handle it. So I think in that regard, it's been a triumph for sure. It's, to me, it's, it's um, you know, they kind of say flattery is, a, is an interesting backhanded compliment. Uh, but I would say that Ubisoft clearly, there's a lot of guys that made the division that played Destiny and they saw things in the initial run of Destiny that were that could be better or could fit differently and, and they expounded on them. Uh, so I, you know, a lot of people throw beef at destiny, you know, it's like, Hey, it's a thin game. It's a, it's a big loot grind, this, that, and the other true, but it, there's a reason that a whole lot of people in the world play it. it it's, it does what it, it does what it does well. Uh, and I think destiny took a lot of cues from it in terms of its structure and, and how it, how it set this initial iteration out there. So, and by the way, I think that's a good thing. Uh, so for example, the, the leveling system is not, uh, it, it sounds complex when you first look at it, but it's really not. I mean, the, the big advantage is it, it imagine playing destiny, but every time you, you wanted to pick up like a, a new, uh, class for your, you know, for your guy, like if you had a warlock and you wanted to be all three of the the classes of warlock or the subclasses of warlock or whatever, you basically have to replay almost the whole damn game again to level up, level your guy up again to max out each one of those subclasses. Whereas in um, in the division, it, it's much more organic. It it, it the, the going through the story by its nature actually builds out the three basic you know, skill lines, if you will, uh, in terms of security tech and, and uh, the medical. And it flows really cool. And the neat thing is once you get really, I can already see some really cool tactical potential here is if you're squatted with four guys and you're getting into some deeper, some of the deeper, more advanced stuff, you're doing a lot of shift on the fly skill and talent realignment, you know, when you get, you know, as you go into different phases of, of a fight. You know, I could see that because you can do that. This is it's also pretty cool because you can shift on the fly in terms of what skills and talents you have loaded up to use. So uh, I, th I think there's a lot of potential there. But again, they need to they've got to buff some things out. But I, it's I think I think it's uh, it's definitely at a good start point and moving in a good direction. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's, for the most part, a very solid game. There are some weird things they need to, to kind of buff out, but hopefully, you know, with future iterations, they, they clean that up and then keep moving forward in a good direction because I think they've they've definitely got a good format. They just need to kind of, you know, fix it up and, and keep doing what they're doing, which is working, so... Good stuff. Yeah, I, I do suggest people check it out. I think that, you know, you don't have to be afraid. I think it's worth um, worth the buy. It's it's not another Destiny by any means, at least initially. So I think it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, with that said, we'll probably segue into our next kind of set of topics here, which is uh, PlayStation 4 specific. So uh, one thing that came out earlier this week, and we released a post about it, is that PlayStation VR, which is the VR headset, so it's you know kind of the same lines with the Oculus Rift and the uh, HTC Vive, has had a release month, we'll call it that. So PlayStation has announced that the headset and all of the uh, equipment for it is $400 and will be released this month, uh, or sorry, this year in October. Um, so the one thing you have to keep in mind, however, is that the set is $400, and that includes the headset and the coprocessor, um, which is all necessary to play the game. However, it does not include the PlayStation 4 camera, which is necessary to use the headset. And their reasoning for this is, is that the camera's been out for some time, and they didn't want to force you to bundle it with you know, the headset if you already own it. So the cameras retail at $60, but you can actually get on Amazon for $45 or $44, something like that. So overall, if you don't own the camera, you're looking at about $444 or so plus tax for the PlayStation VR set, which is obviously quite a bit less than the Oculus Rift, which is $600, and then the Vive, which is $800. So I think um, for me personally, I was pretty excited about this. I was really curious to see when the price is going to come out because, you know, we obviously were expecting something around 400 for Oculus and got, you know, 50% more than that at 600 and then the vibe was just insane. So I think for me, someone who is very interested in VR but not really ready to fork out that much money for it, the $400 price tag is, is pretty good. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Are you excited for the PlayStation VR? What do you, what do you think about it? Well, um, for me, as a not PlayStation 4 player, um, for me, the PSVR is an, you know, $800 console. Um, but, uh, I mean, that it's, it's really good that they're, that they're going for the lower price because, um, they, they need to. There's, there's, I really, I was really disappointed that Oculus didn't do something like make a version of the DK2 just a little bit, you know, a little bit more presentable and then make that a retail product as well, kind of the, the entry-level version. Um, and obviously, Vive, I haven't heard their claims, but, you know, with Oculus saying that they had to go the best they could go, whatever expense was necessary, and that ended up being 600 With the Vive being 800 I'm guessing they're, they're kind of along the same lines. Um, Obviously, the PSVR is a lower quality um, or device, or well, I wouldn't say lower quality, I suppose, but lower specifications. Um, I believe the Oculus Rift has a 4K screen on each eye, and the PSVR is uh, 1080p in each eye. Um, so it will be, you know, distinctly a step down in terms of the resolution. You can notice it at that range, um, but. Uh, for a lot of people, that's it, it's in the ballpark of reason, which is a big difference. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, um, particularly console players, they're not as obsessed with specs as, say, a PC player is. I think that their main focus is, does it look good and is it fun? Well, and I mean, the, if the, the PSV can deliver something that looks good, it may not be up to spec with 
you know, the Oculus, but if it looks good and it's enjoyable, I think it's going to do well. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you're going to see, uh, and now, mind you, I haven't seen it. I don't know if anyone else, you know, if anyone has yet, but um, I assume it has a screen door effect because that's usually, that's, you know, being able to generally see the, the borders of pixels because of how close you are to the screen. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like one of those things where, as I, I said, that even though the Gear VR doesn't do a whole lot, I can't imagine it not wildly outselling the Oculus Rift just on price. Um, and I, I think the PSVR will be much the same. Do you recall what the resolution for the Oculus DK1 and DK2 was for each eye? I do not. I do not have that on hand. Because I'm just curious, because I, I actually got my hands on uh, a DK1 when I was in E-Vegas um, a couple of years back, and it had that screen door effect, but I, I seem to recall that the resolution at that time was significantly lower than uh, 1080p, so I'm, I am kind of curious to see where that actually lands in terms of you know, how it's going to look and how noticeable it's going to be, because it was a little obnoxious, but again, that was the DK1 and obviously very old, so I'll be curious to see how it plays out. What are your thoughts, Bait Man? I mean, are you are you looking to? I know you have a PS4, right? Huh? What? Oh, he's uh, pulling a Zell. Gosh. Okay. What? No, I'm sorry. I was I was totally <laughs> reading something. What's up? Um, you have a PS4, right? <laughs> no. No. Are you planning on getting one or um, just sticking with your Xbox? Yeah, probably not. I'm just gonna stick with my uh, my Xbox, but we'll see um, what the future brings. Um, it, it, as far as PS uh, VR, I I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I, I think Zell was saying something about uh, being um, hopeful that the. Uh, do we know the price for the VR? It is four hundred dollars, but does not include the camera, which is about another forty bucks. So you're looking at like four hundred forty or so for the headset, the co-processor, and the camera. Oh yeah, so I, I think Zell was saying that, that that's not that. It, it's not a bad price for VR, especially if you already have the uh, the, um, the system, um, which. I like um, it, if if I were to get it, then you know it would it it, it would be about as bleh, excuse me as about as much as a um, the the Vive I think is the one hundred dollar one, um, and that's not even including the PC that I'd have to have to be able to run it. So I, it, it's it's not a bad deal. I don't, I don't suppose uh, for a VR experience. I do. I am curious to see how like Microsoft um, is going to respond um, to this though. Being the only console that doesn't have um, VR, so I bl- believe the Oculus is natively supported by Xbox One, from my it's, understanding. Gonna, they're going to do oh. like a, a cross, like a. I think you still have to run it off a PC, oh, but man. they'll like let you stream oh, okay. Xbox games to your PC for Oculus support. Oh, dude, that's um, cool. It's it's that's like a long way around. Yeah, yeah, it's something weird like that. It's um, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised to see in the future them going with, uh, you know, full Oculus support, maybe with a new console. Maybe maybe they need mm. they need to kind of step it up a bit. Which, speaking of, you know, I mean, bait. If you want, or if you're planning on getting a PS4, you should you should clearly wait. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, uh, that would be our other PlayStation topic mm-hmm. of the week. Yeah, because the one of the things coming up. Well, as for VR, there is a bundle that's being released for the PlayStation VR, um, yeah. which is for $500. And what that does is that includes the headset, the coprocessor, the camera, uh, two PlayStation Move controllers, which are compatible with the PlayStation VR games. Those are the motion controllers that have been around for a while. 
um, and a game, which includes it's a, kind of like a, a bundle of mini games. I think it has like six little VR mini games, and they uh, they released a, a kind of a, a demo of those, and they look pretty cool. Like one of them's a, a luge game, you know, where you're you're laying on your back going down you know a steep street or whatever, mm-hmm. and it, it looks you know pretty cool. It's mostly you know like hey look VR is cool, yeah. Kind of kind of in line with like the PlayStation Sport that came out with uh, the Move controllers back in the day. Okay, and that's yeah. going to be five hundred. Um, I would not be surprised, given the fact that uh, the PS4 currently retails for I believe three fifty. And last year around Christmas time, they uh, ran a deal where you could buy it for three hundred. Mm-hmm. So I would be very shocked if they didn't release like a full complete bundle for eight hundred dollars. That would include that five hundred dollar bundle plus a PS4 for the holiday season. So you know, again, if you're you don't own a PS4 and that's something you're looking forward to. Uh, maybe getting with the PSVR coming out, that might be worth keeping your eye on. Um, yeah, I, I did read an interesting review. Um, I think uh, this, I forget what website it was, so I apologize, but they actually got about four hours where they were able to play with the PSVR. And, and basically the consensus oh, cool. was that it's a it's a pretty good headset. Um, you know, it, it does a pretty good job. I did look up the specs of the Oculus DK2, which was, you know, the, the, the version before the the commercial release and that actually does have the same resolution as the psvr it's a 1080p um and split between uh each eye so i mean if you try the oculus dk2 and like the resolution that's about what you can expect for the playstation vr but regardless i said the headset's pretty good the games they they tried are, are pretty good they could be pretty good um but the one thing they did complain about is that the instead of coming out with a new motion controller playstation is kind of stuck with the move controllers which as we all know, was an interesting idea that wasn't really executed all that well. They said that it's it, it doesn't kind of have it doesn't have the same kind of level of precision that you get with the Oculus Touch, which is the the hand controllers for the Oculus Rift. And I forget what the the Vive one is, but regardless, they said it's it's definitely archaic technology, and it was a little surprising that Sony didn't come up with something a little more updated for it. They're kind of going with the um, you know the drumsticks. It would raise the price though, and that's the thing. Well, so, and they're you know. They're entry leveling this. They're saying we're going to get people in the door with this that will that would never, you know, break into VR if the price were up there. I kind of have a feeling though that they had originally planned on banking some some Oculus because the Oculus and PlayStation were somewhat associated with each other. Hard to tell from memory right now, but uh, I I got the impression that they were banking on bringing in something a more well-established third party as a, as kind of a, uh, a flagship PlayStation partner or, you know, Sony partner. Uh, and that, and when that didn't happen, they were, they realized that they still needed to have an offering and that's what led to the, you know, to this device. Uh, so no, by the way, to your earlier question, though, the, the price point is, I think they have a, a pretty solid price point, but it also probably is indicative of that, you know they're trying to to price it not only where it's accessible but where it's it's in line with the quality that the other you know it's like relatively scaled against the quality of whatever the, the, they think the leading competitors will be i suspect just going to wait for hololens honestly i think the vr goggles don't really um excite me like they're exciting everybody else I, I but think that ar and vr are going to be very, very different experiences. I, oh, you're yeah. Not, you're not going to have anything similar between the two, really. No. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, in my case, I think I think we're going to have to... See, I want to see a little bit more development from the HoloLens before. I don't want to be on the first model, but I am. they are really cool. 
It looks really um, interesting. Apparently, I'm looking at something right now. You can stream, like, I think Halo 5 um, from, from, like, your Xbox to a screen, like a, like a TV screen that you can put wherever you want. So, like, you look at one screen, there's, a, like, a GIF up on Kotaku right now. The dude is looking at the one screen, and then he pauses it, looks over at another screen, and, like, there's the game. So I think that'd be... It, it's a lot more, you know, appealing to me personally than putting on the goggle and sitting with my mouth open and, you know, <laughs> flying around in spaceships and blowing shit up. But, I mean, it, it's cool, of course, but it, I, I don't know. I, I just can't get into it. Then that said, I haven't played uh, anything on VR, so maybe that's what... I, I think Maybe that's what my deal is. Let me, let me put it this way: I think there's a whole whole lot of people that that think exactly what you do. Uh, I'm sure they, there are. Until like, and I mean this like quite literally, until they actually put on like an Oculus Rift headset and mm. fuck around with it for ten minutes. <laughs> like I, I'm dead serious. Like I, I have seen like more than a few people that were like, eh, you know, I don't know. You got to put on like the big bike helmet, looking, uh, you know, yeah. but. But you know, but that's what they see because they're looking from mm-hmm. the outside in, yeah. and they're like, "I don't know, man. It's just not. It doesn't seem like a thing for me." And then, you know, I think in their head, they're really believing it's going to be like Captain EO, you know, Disneyland 3D from like the mm-hmm. mid '80s. Yeah. That's the last time they saw anything kind of really legit from a, a visual, uh, you know, visual wizardry standpoint. But when you get in there and you look around and you actually mess with it, it's pretty. Uh, let me put it this way. I've messed around with the Oculus Rift uh, dev kits for a while um, for a variety of different projects and stuff. And um, you can, uh, it will definitely immerse all of your senses really, really quickly. Because it, however it works, however Oculus did it, I, I'm not familiar, as familiar with some of the other ones. It absolutely fools your brain into thinking you are into whatever you're into. Now, I could see a scenario where like, now this would be the ultimate, you know, geek show if you were from the out again, the outside looking in, but if you had like a really high quality, like uh, 3d audio setup that coupled with like an Oculus Rift style thing where you could sync somebody in with sound and uh, and the visuals, it would, it is powerful, like absolutely powerful uh, more than I thought it would be when I first started messing with it. Yeah, yeah, I was the same as you, Bate. Um, when I was at eVegas, they said, hey, you want to check out eValkyrie? We've got dev kits here. I was like, oh, sure. You know, that sounds kind of cool. And I was kind of like, yeah, you know, VR, you know, I've I've seen VR stuff in the past. And I was kind of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, pretty, pretty timid expectations. And then, like Jason said, you put it on, and they put the headphones on, and I hear the the rumbling of the ship around me, and I, you know, all you see is is the inside of the fighter jet. And my first reaction was to reach out and touch the control panel in front of me that obviously wasn't there, and I just right. immediately wanted to touch it because I thought I was in there, and it it you know it, it overwhelms you at first. And I, I'm not saying that you're wrong in your opinion. I just think right, that right. No, if I you haven't you. tried it yet, you don't really quite. It's kind of the, the same experience I had with the. Um, Nintendo 3DS, you know, they go, oh, well, it's it's 3D without glasses. And you go, uh, you know, you kind of shrug your shoulders and go, it's probably not that cool. And then you actually try it firsthand. You go, holy shit, that's that's pretty impressive. That's that's pretty neat. You can really, mm-hmm. it really looks 3D to you. So I, I think that in, in some respects, VR has to get over that initial hurdle of getting people to try it. 
because I think once they try it, the overall opinion is going to go way up. I think that once people get their hands on it and kind of see what it can offer, the kind of different sort of experience it has, it's, it's going to really take off. And I think that's why I'm excited for the PlayStation one, because most people who have never tried it or don't have the disposable income to take the risk are not going to drop six, eight hundred dollars on a headset plus whatever nope. costs for the PC they may not own, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you've owned if you owned a PS4, you know, you can probably scrape together four hundred bucks and, and give oh, it a yeah, shot. I mean absolutely. it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But it's much more approachable than the other versions. And I right. think that this could this, you know, this headset could be really big in getting the community as large to try VR at the very least. I mean you have one guy who buys it for his PS4, brings all his buddies over, they try it out it's going to spread like wildfire. I think it's going to be a really, really cool thing. And that's what I'm going to have to wait for. I think I don't know no, anybody. I, I, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't so, if it wasn't so damn expensive, I, I, I would absolutely pick it up and buy it, but you know, not having anything to run it on, um, is, is kind of a bummer, um, on top of the $600 price point or whatever. So I guess I'll have to, I have to buddy up real close with some, with some friends and, uh, maybe drop hints that they should buy some PSVR. <laughs> well, and that's also why the the Samsung VR gear is also kind of nice because if oh, you yeah. if you happen to have the phone, um, that's only a hundred dollars then to try VR, which again is still you know a decent chunk of change, but definitely more easy to to swallow as a risk to try it if you already have the hardware needed to run it for the the phone that is. So how much in is that the regard, little thing? Hundred bucks? It's a hundred dollars, but I know there's yeah, some okay. deal where Samsung S7s <coughs> come with it for free or something. If you pre-order oh, okay. the Galaxy S7, you get uh, you can like I guess um so with my dad's it's going to be a while because they only had uh, he, he got his at Costco and they only had like a few of them in stock and then everyone else just has to send away from them and they take 4 to 6 weeks to get there. Um but they are yeah, he's getting one for free. So Oh, wait. I can just I can just build a Google cardboard. Yeah, that's also very I forgot cool. about that. Yeah, Google cardboard. There's nothing not... fun on that. I ha- I got a cardboard thing and I there's I don't I don't need find it to anything be, exciting. I don't need it to be fun. Just needed to give me a little VR experience. It's not the same. The precision isn't there. It's using the phone's gyros. Right, if, yeah. if you want to try it for literally free, mm-hmm. um, there are some options out there. I know YouTube even has some VR videos, but like I mean, Zell said, it's it's pretty lacking. I mean, There's just the, not a lot of support mm-hmm. for it. The, the sure, big yeah, thing to point out is that while technically it's capable of it, because you know, like the Galaxy, you know, the Galaxy S7 can clearly handle, uh, you know, games like Gunjack. Most of the things that I've seen for cardboard are like 360 degree photos. They're not yeah. like they're not like 3D at all. So oh, I found I, a lot. Of, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I found a lot of cardboard apps to be really lacking in terms of what we call VR. Sure, sure. Okay. It's it's really it's it's so so basic that I just it doesn't give you a good idea of what you're actually going to be looking at if you get like an actual headset. Hmm. Okay. I have to keep my eyes out then maybe for somebody like, I don't know, renting uh, VR out for a couple hours or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm sure somebody's going to do that. I'm, I'm sure we'll see that happen anyways. Oh, yeah. I, I could see a kind of a cottage industry of somebody putting together like like VR like game parlors, you know. Oh, yeah. Kind of, you know, it, like in a weird kind of retro revive of the classic video game you know, view game parlor of the mall era, you, you know, if you had something like this, where it was, um, 
kind of like the battle centers. They used to have those in like Chicago. They were like BattleTech, they, these big full bubble simulators and stuff. But you could see a scenario where you get like a suite of these things and you rent them out for like parties or you know like a Dave and Buster's kind of yeah. Thing. Get one of those dudes who has those um oh shit what are they called those trucks that you rent out for like kids birthday parties with the the yeah. games in them or whatever yeah actually yeah they just had one in my neighborhood the other day it's it's pretty oh. cool yeah nice yeah I had to had to look into that <laughs> but yeah we'll see we'll see how Microsoft responds putting more effort on the uh, the AR Hololens I would think than you know like a VR headset. I'm kind of curious if they'll go the same route with Sony and have that that additional processor needed to to push the the engine because you know there's a box that literally plugs into the PS4 that helps its processor produce the necessary images for the VR headset. I, I can imagine that anything um, Microsoft comes up with that's not going to require a separate PC to run will, yeah. will require that as well because their specs aren't too different. Yeah, if the um... Yeah, if the Oculus is is already having to route through a um a computer to to be able to do VR on the Xbox, then I don't I don't see why the Hololens wouldn't have the same requirements. But I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The Hololens is one of those things that I'm I'm watching very mm-hmm. cautiously because I it, it seems like a huge jump way beyond yep. normal VR headset. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. They, that's going to be hyped to hell, and I'm very cautious about that. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. So we'll move along to the next PS4 topic, which is pretty simple. Now, I don't know if this is just a rumor or has been confirmed or not, but it, they, there was someone saying that PlayStation is working on a version of the PS4 um, that will be capable of outputting uh, 4K video for games that support that. I think that Bait was the one that found that, right? Yeah, this comes from um, Kotaku. Um, developer sources are, are are telling them that Sony is currently planning a new version, this is quoting from an article, of the PS4 with increased graphical power in games running at 4K re- uh, resolution. So... Um, I, I guess right now the PS4 supports um, viewing images in 4K, but not actual gaming or um, like movie playing capabilities. Um, so it sounds like this would um, add that functionality to to the PlayStation 4. Um, it's not currently known if PS4 owners will be able to upgrade um, or if they'll have to buy an entirely new console. <laughs> Um, to to get the power um, or whatever, but um, it it will be interesting. It'll really suck for the PlayStation Four um, users if they have to buy a new console. <laughs> well, I just imagine if you don't have it, it would lock you out of the option to to display a game in four K. I don't think it would mm-hmm. require you. I mean, games can natively run at lower resolutions. You know, right. no problem. They don't have to uh, output at their highest usually, but. You know, I mean, if you don't own a 4K TV, it's it's pretty much pointless. I mean, right. It's, yeah. It's, and I'm I'm not sure. I, I personally don't. My TV's a little bit older, but you know, I'm not sure how many people actually own 4K TVs or what the demand is for it. I think that Sony might be just trying to. They're getting cheap. How much are they are usually they? for? Like an average sized one. Microsoft has actually advertised one for like six hundred six hundred dollars. You know, that's that's not too bad, assuming you've got the media to actually play on it that takes advantage of it. I mean, most TV doesn't export in, in 4K, as far as I know. So it's pretty much limited to just you know, uh, Blu-ray movies and stuff, right? Uh yeah, and of course, it's specifically 4K Blu-rays. Um, and I, I don't know if you need a specific Blu-ray player as well to be able to do that. 
Gotcha. They just started, like, I just started noticing maybe a month and month and a half ago that you could start ordering 4K Blu-rays, so they're very new. Holy crap, they're expensive. Looking at Best Buy right now, you, anywhere between, like, I think eight ninety nine is the lowest I've seen to, oh, no, that's, is this four ninety nine. This is $500 right now um, for a 43-inch uh, 4K TV, all the way up to, like, uh, $1,600. Huh. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I, I I almost wonder if it'll kind of be when they do, like, you know, the PS4 Slim version. I mean, usually Sony releases a, a, another version of their console a few years after the initial release that's the smaller, more compact version, and they might kind of go with a, you know, here's the Slim version, or if you want to buy the more expensive Slim 4K, you know, that's, that's also available. Uh, as for retrofitting, I'm not really sure unless it was kind of an outboard sort of deal like the VR is going to have where it just plugs in. Um, We'll see. You know, that's, that's definitely well beyond my understanding of of how the the tech works. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they go with that. But for those of you who own 4k systems or 4k TVs, it it might be worth keeping an eye on. Uh, My question of course is, you know, how many developers are going to support games that can actually you know output that resolution because you know the, the bigger resolution is is obviously more processing power and you know we'll, we'll see how that affects gameplay and what the support will actually be because that is kind of a a fairly big jump i mean 4k isn't new by any means but i don't know if it's widely adopted enough that developers are gonna you know sink significant resources into making it happen or not looks like the uh when it does come, the um, if it does come at all, the it's going to have an upgraded GPU to support high-end 4K resolution for games and add more processing power um, to enhance the games supported by the PlayStation VR. So maybe that will be in this uh, PlayStation VR bundle. That would be interesting if they mm-hmm. use just the same outboard engine just to run it. And obviously you're not running two images in 4k but you'd be running a single image in 4k which would make sense i mean it would give you the the necessary oomph to to get it going which would be great news for those who adopt the psvr because they could probably just they wouldn't need to upgrade they would just have that ready to go and they could you know have their 4k ready ps4 from the get-go mm-hmm. nuka it, it needs to be called the ps4k if it if it does oh, come. i'm <laughs> i'm i'm sure they will they'll, they'll get cute with it uh-huh were there any other gaming topics that we wanted to touch on before we kind of go into the the, that the, was the movie sad, related stuff? I just want to mark that was a sad pun that I think is uh, worthy of like bad Nintendo naming schemes. <laughs> what, like the the Wii U or something crazy like that? Like the the you know 3DS and then making the 2DS being the the, the version without the 2D and all, all that is <laughs> like okay. the kid proof one. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, Nintendo does not have the best choices in naming conventions. They don't, they've they've the really screwed themselves with it. They have the greatest code names. The Wii was the Wii's code name was the Nintendo Revolution. I would buy a console called the Revolution, and so would you. Yeah, they no. they, they <laughs> no, they 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 have some good stuff out there but yeah they're they're naming conventions i think that the the name of the wii u royally screwed them in sales because no one understood what the hell it was for like years after it came out i i was confused for a while what the hell a wii u was i thought it was just the uh the the gamepad i didn't think it was actually a whole new system all right well i guess we'll move into uh our next topic which is something that i personally haven't been tracking but i know that like jay and and zell have been watching pretty closely and bait as well most likely uh, but the Batman versus Superman movie is is coming out pretty soon, right? When's the release date on that one? The twenty fifth. 
five days. Really? Wow. I thought it was okay. Is it five days? Yeah, five days. Basically, okay. I've I've lost track of time. I for some I'm very confused what's going on. So five days. Wow. I forgot to pre-order tickets, and I'm really sad and wondering if there's going to be anything left. I haven't pre-ordered yet. It's going to happen probably this like tonight. I think that's like a Thursday too. I might be busy that day. Well, hmm. but the movie looks uh, rather interesting, I guess. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I've been watching from a distance and mm-hmm. kind of going, okay, well, we'll see how the reviews are. It's not the one that I'm interested in enough that I'm going to go out and see it opening night. It's just, it doesn't pique my interest like that, but I, I would like to see it eventually. It's just not with the urgency that you, you see with uh, a lot of other people. So, I mean, are you guys planning on trying to see it opening night then, I assume? If I can, yeah. I see, I think the reviews have been coming back fairly positive from what I've seen. Have you guys been tracking those at all? It's got a nine and a half on IMDb from fourteen people. Or no, um, yeah, it looks like fourteen people have reviewed it so far. So that's we'll surprisingly see. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I just got back online, guys. I'm sorry. What what I missed like the last ninety seconds. What are you guys talking about? Batman v Superman. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Are you gonna pick it up on opening day, Jay? Are you gonna wait? Are you are you gonna be out? So I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you looking forward to it though? I mean, is it is it something that's that you're going to try to see as soon as possible? Uh, yeah, I will. I, I will make. Yeah, as soon as practical, I will. I will. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Really, just to see kind of what Zack Snyder is putting together for kind of the DC like movie universe kind of stuff. Um, I I have generally heard pretty good things about it from from uh, the folks that have screened it. Uh, it you will occasionally get some folks that are i would say it's probably 70 30 like really really impressed and then you'll occasionally hear like you can find some interweb stuff about like eh, it's not as you know it's not as good as or it goes off the rails in a couple places kind of stuff i don't know i, I from what i've seen of it it looks pretty good now there is no lack of material about it on the inter- internet in terms of imagery or I think at this point, generally, I, I know all the acts of the movie at this point. Like they they didn't really hold a lot back, which I kind of really I kind of really wish they had. Uh, but it looks it looks pretty good. I'm pretty excited for it. I am interested to see how they weave in you know the context or the fabric of like the bigger DC comic book world. Um, but Zack Snyder had an interesting comment about that. He said that was a really serious balancing act he had to do when he was directing it was really focusing on the actual characters of Batman and Superman. Uh, It's a comic book movie, so you're going to get a lot of comic, there's comic book action in it, but he was trying to really try to hone in on the actual character and how the two characters interact a lot. Um, But yet he has to balance uh, that aspect of it from a movie making standpoint with how do you really build like the baseline of the DC world? Uh, which generally that means there's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of mentions. There's, there's little things weaved into the, uh, into the dialogue, stuff like that. And even some of the images that we've seen coming out, uh, it clearly hints to a lot of other things. And I think it's, my understanding is that, um, you know, the flash Aquaman both get, uh, some sort of visual, like brief visual cameo in the movie or like brief mention, you know, they're actually in the movie very briefly in some, some form or fashion. Um, a couple other DC characters that will end up being he- heroes and villains of note apparently are, 
are directly referenced or mentioned in the in the story. So uh, I'm pretty excited to see how they you know the direction they go with it. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks not too bad. I am I'll be frank with you though. I'm very interested to see Ben Affleck's take on Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mm-hmm. That that's probably the part that I'm because I've already seen Henry Cavill play Superman. So my assumption he's just going to continue to sort of progress the character from there. I'm very interested to see Affleck's take on it. And I think he is probably, you know, he, he by all accounts, apparently no matter what, what anybody said about the, uh, you know, whether they kind of generally liked or disliked the quote unquote, you know, the Batman V Superman movie itself, uh, you know, I have found very little, at least I can dig up on the interweb or, you know, the few people I know that actually would know anything for real, like firsthand about the movie, that had anything negative to say about his portrayal of Bruce Wayne and uh, this iteration of the Batman. Who plays the Flash in the movie? Does anybody know? Is it the kid from uh, the TV series? No, I, that's no. And it's part of the problem. I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Huh. Hey, isn't like Lether like supposed to be a um like a um oh, what do you call him? A dude. Uh, an extra in the in the movie. I thought I heard something about that. No, um, we, we were no, we they, we were totally taking the piss out of him on an episode. Oh, <laughs> god damn it! Yet, yet again, we have proven that you you listen and pay attention to this. I show was not on for that almost, episode. Almost as much as Zell does. I was not <laughs> on for that episode. I was listening to it in the in a van full of loud teenagers on the way to Montana. I have I have my that. excuses. <laughs> Yeah, I will admit that my uh, apathy towards the movie, I think, is probably because I'm a huge Batman fan and I don't particularly care for Superman. So I don't know if I should be excited about this portrayal of Batman or not. So I think that, you know, once I get in there and if I like how it's done, I'll probably enjoy the movie. Um, and like you said, the reviews seem to not say anything negative about it. So, you know, I, I think I have pretty high hopes. I just, I don't have that like oh man i can't wait to see my favorite rendition of batman in this movie because you know we've never seen it before so you know well i think i'll enjoy it i'm just not rushing out to see it um we'll we'll see what the reviews come in once it releases to everybody and you'll you'll have to let me know we'll we'll see how soon i can get out there and take a look at it but i do hope that he does the character well and it uh it can live up to the the name kind of hope he's like super cynical and old like an old man I mean, he I, he, I guess he is old, but he is <laughs> old. Yeah, cynical and you know, very get off my lawn would would make me very happy. You have you actually read the uh, the Miller version of the Dark Knight? No, I don't think so. Okay, all right. So we we've already gone through the drill once with you and Clerks. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, the the comic book. Oh my right? god! Yes, that's what you're talking about. Okay, yes. no, I, I actually, I actually haven't read that. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna open go, it up now. Yeah, go get your little Comicsology app on your on your mm-hmm. tablet. Then mm-hmm. pull that down. Trust me. <laughs> it's uh, it, the, the uh, this version of Batman is very much taken from from that one, which is a a much older Batman. That's uh, reportedly he's been around for about you know. 20 plus, you know, 20 years or so actually doing the Batman gig. So it's certainly not an origin story. It's far removed from that. Um, and you get kind of that style of Batman that you got in the, uh, in the Miller version, which is, 
not quite the get off your lawn style, but pretty pretty close. What is it? The Dark Knight? Yep, the Dark Knight. The, even a lot of the imagery actually from the uh, from the movie is directly directly lifted from those from those comics. They're they're really good. Um, I, I like I said I am kind of keen to see how this will this will work out. Uh, I will say this though, I am pretty pretty interested in seeing how the Suicide Squad works. I'm very interested in Batman Superman because that I think is going to set up some things uh, from a big big movie perspective. But Suicide Squad I think might be a really cool change of pace. Plus, I'm absolutely confident that everyone in the world is trying to figure out how to make R-rated super superhero movies right now. Uh, based on the success of Deadpool, I, I suspect. Um, but Suicide Squad could gen- generally lead itself down that road. And it's also usually smaller stories, you know? They're not as, uh, like, the entire world is depending on this thing kind of story. They're a little bit more gritty, kind of street-oriented. Uh, the, um, the one thing about the Avengers movies, uh, if you, like, let me put it this way, for, on a sense of scale, the Avengers movies generally deal with like when you actually get all the Avengers together, not just the individual movies, they're very, the world's going to end if we don't do this, you know, they're, they're global impact just for a sense of scale. When the DC universe, when the, uh, you know, when the justice league gets together, their scale is somewhere like the universe will end if we don't do this. Just if you look at like the relative scaling of the characters in terms of what their you know kind of their general powers, like this has caused many a mer- you know nerd movie fight, but the Justice League would annihilate the Avengers if you consider you know if you take all things sure. into consideration because it's insane. <laughs> but the Marvel characters are far more like interesting story wise. Some of I will admit, some of them can be. I mean, they they were they are they are younger characters when they were generally they were younger characters, like in a real sense, they were created um, at different times. Whereas, like clearly, a lot of the a lot of the DC characters trace their their lineage back to the 20s and 30s and 40s. Most of the big name Marvel characters are much much later in terms of our like our timeline, so they have a lot of different nuances to the characters themselves. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they tie everything in together. I know that uh, Bate was mentioning some of the TV series and how that's going to work together. I mean, like, is there's new new things coming. I know that last week, Jay, you mentioned that, uh, like, The Flash kind of exists in multiple timelines. Are they going to... Is that how they're, they're tying this in with the movie? No, the, we- the movie's franchise is, like, completely unrelated. Yeah, that was that's that is something they are definitely not doing that Marvel is doing. Whereas they build a cinematic universe, this is they've kind of separated movies from TV. So the DC TV properties are actually doing pretty good. You know, between the Flash, Green Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and uh, and Supergirl, those are all actually and Gotham. Do, yeah, yeah. So well, that's not Gotham, connected. Gotham's its own thing, but. Like those four kind of are, awesome are actually thing. doing pretty well, so they've definitely kind of broken that off on like you know a separate timeline. But it was really Kevin Smith who was making the discussion about because th- that has been asked a lot: is why don't you have Grant Gustin play? He's the guy playing uh, the Flash on the TV, who is a very popular character. 
Um, he's like a lot of people like how he plays that character. So they're, they've asked several times, why don't you use him in the movie? Because none of these other characters would be, have been used or would be currently used in the movie. And then that opens the door for down the road, like Stephen Amell to come in and be the green arrow and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Uh, there would be some synergy in that, I think. Uh, but they just chose to go a different way. Now, here's an interesting thing I was thinking about this afternoon. In, in the kind of the comic book world, you know, there are any number of like parallel, almost parallel sort of story arcs, timelines, you know, dimensions or whatever you want to call it. It's going on on e any one given character in some ways. Um, and you have like these, th that's a large part of really the DC unit. It's a bigger part of the DC universe, but it's also in Marvel where you just have these numerous different timelines and, and options that could happen with characters happening somewhat near simultaneously. And we've kind of effectively translated that from comic books into Netflix TV and the screen, you know, and cinema screen, uh, even about some of the same characters. So it's kind of interesting how that's all, how that's all sort of working that we're literally, people are like bitching about continuity, this, that, and the other, but this has been happening in like the actual, paper comic books for decades. Why does this comic book sound like what I imagine the plot of Batman v Superman to be? Because when they when, when they took a lot of design elements from that um, huh. and incorporated it into Batman v Superman. Yeah, I can see that just reading the plot synopsis on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, well look at the look at the pictures of the Batman in the Frank Miller version. And it's very that, – that's what they styled the Ben Affleck Batman after, like physically and like it's – Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I saw that. That was, that was actually pretty cool to see a side-by-side -side comparison. They had a little – you could slide the picture over, and it was like – they lined up the shots almost identical to like even where it appears in the frame is, is pretty incredible how true to the source material they were. They've lifted uh, – well, they even had some of the iconic lines out of there. Like you even hear it in one of the trailers when um, – Batman is uh, like has initiated the like you know the significant you know the fight the fight quote unquote with Superman, and he said uh, he said something to the effect of uh, you know it's time you learn now it's time you learned how to be a man. That was a direct lift from Frank Miller's Batman. Sweet. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty good it's a it it, it is interesting. I'm very very keen to see how how it works, and apparently. This version of Batman, uh, my understanding is, it's it is not the it, it is it is a fairly brutal like ass whipper. He he does not. There's not a lot of like cool batarangs and like a bat knockout gas kind of stuff going on with him. He's like snapping femurs and like you know twisting spines and stuff. Uh, he's not killing anybody, but that doesn't mean they have to walk when he gets done with them either. Mm -hmm. Wow. I definitely gonna have to check that out. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the more dark and and brutal renditions of Batman, particularly with the ones where he's you know been around for a little bit longer and and grown a bit bitter with everything he's doing. I, I think that you know if that does if that is what they're they're portraying in this movie, it's going to be really enjoyable, and I I do hope that it it turns out well. Well, I, you know they they were pretty. Zack Snyder's a pretty smart filmmaker, and he he was very in terms of his comment about like really wanting to focus on the characters between Batman and Superman, if you'll look like in any frame where 
Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck have to look at each other, Ben Affleck is taller. Now, in real life, I don't know that he's actually taller than him. I'm, I'm, they're probably about the same. They're both both pretty good, pretty good sized guys. But Zack Snyder very very specifically wanted to set the conditions where Superman has to look up to Batman a lot, uh, m- much in the in the way of uh, if you think about it, like Superman is probably still coming into his powers and understanding what's going on with his capability in the world and where does he fit? Whereas Batman's been around for a very long time. So they're basically setting it up where Batman is the kind of the, I, I do, I do not want to use the term Yoda, but he is sort of definitely the grizzled veteran that uh, applies the practice, you know, some practicality and in, in normal or grounding to Superman, you know, no pun intended with the grounding things now. And then the interesting thing is apparently, um, Gal Gadot has done, again, good reviews on her as as Wonder Woman. She's, I think, like five thousand years old. I mean, she's like a demigod, you know. So she has like a whole different engagement with both of those guys. Yeah, that sounds pretty badass. I'm, I, I am looking forward to it. I, I, I do hope I can see it soon. Yep. All right, guys. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we we kind of move in and bring this one down for a close? Uh, Daredevil season two is oh, out on right. Netflix, and it is is good so far. About uh, four episodes in. What do you think about uh, John Bernthal as a Punisher? He's a really, really interesting character. Um, I, I'm really enjoying the themes that are you know being brought up. Um, the idea of um uh, being a uh, vigilante. Um, with the the contrast between the Punisher and uh, and Daredevil, it's really interesting, and I think that. Uh, the actor does a a, a really good job um, playing Punisher. Cool. Yeah, I was kind of interested to see how his take take on it would be, since they've had multiple attempts at the Punisher that you know laughable, maybe, maybe did or didn't didn't work. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, you know, the Thomas Jane one was okay. It was a little too mainstreamy. That you can only PG thirteen the Punisher so much. But believe it or not, the Dolph Lundgren version from the nineties was not bad. It was actually pretty close to the comics. It was just, I mean, it was, it was on a B movie budget. Uh, the, the best one actually was the one with, it was like Punisher war zone. It was mm-hmm. almost like a direct to T direct to, to video with Ray Stevenson. If you look that one up, uh, it with Ray Stevenson Punisher. That one was by far the closest to the comic books. It, it was, the way it was shot was a little too cartoony. It was not, it's not great, but like the way Ray Stevenson played the the character and how it kind of looked, it was pretty good. It, it was certainly, it was certainly not as, not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. Um, I, I've seen a few of the other ones, but I'll definitely have to add this to stuff to do this week. Okay. So did you see Clerks? No, that's on the list. You failed. I know it's on the list. By the by, this time next week, I will have seen Clerks and probably this Punisher movie as well as you know everything else. Okay, so Pokey, what is the definition of karmic justice? I railed against bait for not having seen an iconic movie that, at its core, is about a couple slackers and their friends that circle into their weed-driven orbit. What have we now seen? 
somebody has slacked off and not watched the movie after they promised they would. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Can't say I'm surprised. I mean, you know. Man. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, close this up? Nah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Zelly, got anything? Um, I'm happy. Yeah, so pretty good stuff. So we, we covered uh, Jay's thoughts on the division and, and kind of my thoughts on the PvP now that I tried it out. Uh, we touched on the PlayStation VR, the bundle, and the uh, potential 4K version coming out in the future. And we also went into Batman vs. Superman and touched on some of the uh, new TV uh, superhero uh, movies, uh, shows that are coming out. So Daredevil Season 2 and Punisher and all that good stuff. So uh, we're probably going to go into shoutouts with this one. So let's start at uh, the bottom of the list with Jason because we know that Zell isn't ready. So Jason... Shout out, man. <laughs> okay. That's true, though. That is true. Well, if nothing else, we're predictable. I'll, I will say that. We, we we did try to bring a little bit of energy to, this, to the show so our podcast doesn't get made in China in the future. So as I bring it all the way to the close. Um, yeah, like uh, I don't really have a whole lot of shout outs right now. I will say this. Uh, appreciate Bam Havoc for... Uh, teaming up with me a little bit in the division earlier today. He, he saw me like stumbling through my first hour or two of the division. And he, he uh, hung out with me for about half an hour in game and, uh, you know, kind of got me oriented to what I needed to be doing. So uh, appreciate that. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of shout outs right now. Um, I will probably have about a million in one of them though, after this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll regale you guys of how that goes like uh, next weekend probably, or if I can, if I'm back next weekend, I'll let you know how it goes. But so pretty quiet week. So minimal shout outs other than bam havoc. And I do want to give an extra special, you know, shout out to uh, you know, th- these absolute live wires of conductive energy. They, they just literally suck the electrons from the air. Like you know, just like all kind of weird nuclear particles just flow through them in the form of Sarai Zell and Iowa bait. Like I, in fact, I am not really sure that I'm not getting cancer right now from the fucking heat they're putting <laughs> off of, uh, Damn, it, dude. it's coming off of those two guys. I, I just, I gotta tell you, it's, it's an absolute pleasure watching two masters of, of communication like these two guys, particularly Zell totally understated, but he strikes like a thunderbolt out of left field. It's amazing. Fantastic. And, uh, bait, the beacon of energy himself. Shout out, man. Yeah, um, I'd like to give my shout out to uh, Eve Corporation. Um, Tard, love running with you guys. Plexing has been fun. Hope to keep it up. Uh, the Incor- uh, Incorruptibles, um, you guys have been so fun on Discord. Love hanging with you. Um, what else? Clerks, as I have it opened uh, in the next tab, ready to watch. Um, Daredevil, pretty good movie or uh, show so far. And. Uh, with us, Jay, for being an asshole and giving me a hard time. <laughs> That's my job. Good, good. There you go. All right, uh, Enzel. The uh, entirety of all the people who actually still listen to this show. If you're listening, thank you. You give us purpose in life. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we have maybe two of our original four listeners, I think we're, we're doing pretty good, holding on, keeping it up there, uh, you know, bridging the gap until FanFest when people actually give a shit again. So it'll be great. And that's not uh, that far off now. You, you know, it, sound, it seemed really far off when they first, you know, mentioned the whole thing. Uh, but it's, it's not that far. It's like a month. 
Uh, one month from tomorrow, I guess, because it's April 21st, I think, is the start of FanFest at the very least. I'm not sure if their keynote on Not Dust is on that day. Most likely not. It's probably on the next day. So, But regardless, it's a little over a month from now, so it's, it's pretty close. And then we'll talk about Dust again, briefly. Well, yeah, assuming that it's not a trailer and, well, we'll tell you more later, which, you know, <laughs> has happened, so we'll see. Probably uh, will be. Yeah, hopefully not. But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep my hopes too high. <laughs> uh, I will, however, give a shout out to uh, Jedek Menaheim and everyone who's been posting awesome stuff from ArtStation, particularly from the CCP uh, art director and employees profiles. They've got some really cool stuff that's popped up recently. Uh, Jack's been posting it on Twitter. I, I suggest you go and and check it out. You can tinfoil as much as you like, but it is at the very least some very cool looking artwork from the Eve universe from, from at least what I can tell. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to say we bring this one in for a close guys. And I want to thank everyone for listening in and I hope you have a great night. So see you later.